Hi, my name is Fiona Zeiger. I am Amanda Linkhaver. And I'm Julian Schaap. You are listening to the, the Migration Podcast. Culture and Inequality Podcast. Podcast. Yes, you heard correctly. You get two for one in this crossover podcast series. Migration, culture and inequality are closely entangled and these entanglements are exactly what we are going to speak about in these three episodes. We will focus on three topics, sports, music and media. The link between sports, music and media with culture seems evident. But what do they have to do with inequality or with migration? Usually we associate topics like work, the housing market, conviviality in the city, family life, education, or more recently, health, with issues of inequality, mobility, and migration. In part, this is because these topics get greater attention in public debates. But what about the things that surround us in everyday life, that we take for granted so much that they have become invisible to us? What about cultural practices such as music, sports, and media? This is exactly what we're going to explore in the following three episodes. Stay tuned. In this episode, we discuss the linkages between migration and music. Music is often seen as a universal language, something that unites people across boundaries and language limitations. For centuries, music has been a powerful source of individual and social well-being, something uh, which studies from psychology to sociology to medicine even continue to demonstrate. As people migrated, music migrated with them, causing the rapid and continuing spread of hundreds of music genres in countries across the globe. Since digitalization, music has become more mobile than ever before as people can connect with their favorite music as long as they have an internet connection. This leads us to ask in this podcast, how do migrants in the 21st century use music during processes of migration? What purposes does music have for migrants, both in re-establishing connections with people in country of origin and creating a home in a new land? And how do music-driven social media, such as TikTok, affect this process? To talk about this, I have invited Daniela Jaramillo-Dent, who works both for Erasmus University Rotterdam and Universidad de Aleva in Spain, and Marco Martinello, who works at Université de Liège in Belgium, who are both experts on the topics of migration, music and media. And I can also say they're very passionate and highly engaged researchers on music uh, and migration, so the perfect guests for this episode. Uh, starting with you, Daniela, can you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. First of all, I would like to say that I am an immigrant myself. I am originally from Ecuador and I've been an immigrant in the US and in Spain. Um, my research focuses on the platformed and mediated narratives about migration from different actors, including social media users, influencers, politicians and migrants themselves. I explore the ways in which the creative possibilities of each platform are used to represent and tell stories about immigration from these different perspectives. And right now I'm focusing specifically on Instagram and TikTok. Okay, thanks a lot. Marco, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Marco Martiniello. I'm a second generation immigrant, as some people call us. So I was born in Belgium in an uh, immigrant family coming from the south of Italy, from the region of uh, Napoli. And actually, uh, my main work is in sociology and political science in migration studies, migration and ethnic studies. 
And uh, about 14 years ago, I've started to, um, to study um, how the various ways in which uh, music was important to understand migration and post-migration challenges. But in a previous career, I was also a journalist for um, a blues magazine in Milano, in Italy, and I was covering uh, the Benelux countries, uh, specifically concerning blues, and blues is related to the history of African-Americans. And so the question of discrimination, race, racism have, have always been, you know, part of my interests. Thanks a lot. Uh, so my name is uh, Julian Schaap. I'm an assistant professor in sociology of music at Erasmus University Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm, I have a very direct and deep interest in uh, both of, of your work, which I also uh, use in, in my work uh, currently also on a migration of Syria refugees in the Netherlands but we will mainly be talking about your work uh, today and I have many questions for you the first thing uh, I would like to talk about uh, before introducing kind of the main question of this episode today we're talking about uh, the role that music plays in migration and this is particularly relevant today because we find ourselves uh, we are recording this in on the 1st of April in 2022, we find ourselves in a world of conflict, uh, confronted with increasing flows of migration uh, due to uh, refugees from conflicts all over the globe, today very much from Ukraine in Europe. While music may not be the first request for those in need, uh, it usually quickly follows primary needs of bed, bath and bread, as it's called. As a case in point, in the last week, I th weeks, I think we have been able to witness instances of musical mood, mood enhancement on digital and, and the actual battlefield in uh, Ukraine. First, turning to Marco, uh, have you already seen a specific role for music in this contemporary conflict? Yeah, I, I'm following this, of course. It's difficult not to follow, but I think it's very important. Well, uh, wars never stop music. Uh, sometimes, you know, it tries to stop music, but it never stops music. Uh, I would like to mention three things related to the Ukrainian, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, related to the various usages uh, that are made of music. The first one, of course, is the multi multiple uses of the national anthem. You know, yesterday, uh, President Zelensky was addressing the Belgian parliament, and of course, uh, they all stood up for the Ukrainian national anthem as a way to express solidarity uh, to uh, the resistance of Euro Ukrainian people. Of course, the, the, the anthem is, is used uh, on the Ukrainian side to mobilize forces. We know all that. It's been studied at length. Right. But secondly, and it's also very important, uh, in, in the West, in the d debates about the reception of uh, exilees from uh, from Ukraine, music was also came in in two ways. First, uh, in here in Belgium, on the, on different radios, there was some at uh, attention given to contemporary music from Ukraine. Oh, yeah. For example, Ukrainian rock, Ukrainian pop music, and so uh, it was a way in order a way to kind of getting to know much better the Ukrainian refugees that were arriving in Belgium. And so even on public radio, uh, almost every day you have the chance to hear music that most of us have never heard before. 
and that also enhances the solidarity. Mm -hmm. And third, and this this is very important as well, um, we've had uh, several musicians and singers from U from Ukraine uh, seeking refuge in in Belgium and very high quality musicians and singer that were automatically included in either in orchestras or in uh, the conservatory. And this sort of reinforced the idea that Ukrainian refugees are, so to say, high quality refugees, cultural refugees, as opposed to refugees that were coming before. And so this is a kind of tricky thing because it sort of feeds in the two-dimension refugee asylum uh, reception policies that we tend to witness in uh, in Europe. Yes, and I think indeed, uh, especially your argument about what you could call cultural proximity, right? That, yes. that the music creates kind of a an a, a, a proximate a proximity between people who, who don't really aren't really familiar with each other and with each other's culture, and that seems to be much more uh, prevalent now with this conflict than with previous conflicts such as Syria, for instance. Indeed, uh, Daniela, you must have something interesting to add here as well, because I think the Ukrainian conflict in particular is one that's being fought uh, uh, on social media yes. uh, as well. Yes, so most of the content uh, relates to personal stories and personal narratives, but there was one specific uh, YouTube video that has been uh, become viral around the world uh, of a musician, she's a piano player, and she was playing her piano for the last time in her home, and the home was completely destroyed. So the video showed her playing her piano, playing a rendition of a Chopin song uh, in her ruined house, and the video showed the entire house, how it had been bombed and destroyed. So it was a very strong uh, and symbolic uh, example of how music accompanies narratives without the need of, of oral speech or even uh, narrative content. Just the music and the images are really impactful of this experience of sadness at the same time of, of hope, right? Because uh, you're saying goodbye to your instrument, to your home, to your town, to your country. And at the same time is, is, is a sort of way of saying it will be back and, and this is my place. So it was that one is very strong. It's, it has become really viral. And then, of course, they are similar to Marco. I've seen a lot of uh, refugee musicians going around and the stories are interesting because they focus on the importance of the instrument, how the thing they take is their instrument. And this is very uh, illustrative of how uh, refugee and immigration works, how there are these items of your life when you choose to flee or if you are able to flee a country, right? If, you, if you're in a, in a moment of... Uh, of emergency, what you choose to take. And, and for musicians, their instrument is central. Um, also, there was a story of a violin player uh, playing in the trenches. He had uh, signed up to fight Russia-backed separatists in eastern Ukraine, and he took his violin to the trenches to play. So uh, I think music is, is definitely a central aspect, especially people who, who are musicians bring this with them to, to really change the environment for everyone else. And you can see in these three examples how uh, there is the, the aspect of the move to a new country, the aspect of the conflict itself, and of course, uh, the, the hopeful aspect of 
saying goodbye and, and coming back, right? Yeah, indeed. And I think here you also touch upon an important distinction that sometimes isn't the distinction between musicians bringing music with them or musicians trying to gain an audience across borders, but also, of course, audiences themselves who take the music with them uh, on their uh, uh, forced journeys, in this case, to, to other countries and, them, and are able then to directly listen to music from the trenches, in this case, uh, of mm -hmm. the country that they've left. So I think this is indeed uh, um, a very a, a powerful way to see music's role in, in these kind of uh, contemporary conflicts. Yeah, so let's first take a couple of major steps uh, back, we could say, and, and, and uh, for that reason, I'm very happy that uh, Marco uh, is with us uh, uh, right now because you've written extensively on, uh, on research on ma music migration, also the role of music in cities, for instance. Uh, so um, the main question for this specific, specific episode is what role does music play in processes of migration? So that can be all kinds of migration, of course, all over the globe, uh, in essence. It's not only migration forced due to fleeing from a country of conflict. It can also be very willful migration. Um, a first question that I'll direct to you, uh, Marco, is uh, can you sketch a, a brief history for those unfamiliar with the topic or slightly familiar on studies on music and migration? Uh, so what has been studied in the past? Where are we uh, these days with studies on music and migration? It's a very difficult question. We could talk for hours and weeks about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I would like to say that, you know, my point of departure is within migration and ethnic studies. So I'm not a musicologist or an, or an ethnomusicologist. Uh, and in musicology and ethnomusicology, a lot of work has been done uh, related uh, relating migration and, and music. But my point of departure was precisely that in the field of migration studies, there was nothing. It was as if, you know, it was non-existent. It was not relevant at all. And we, concentrated mainly on the hard stuff like employment, education, housing, but not culture, as if migrants were deprived of any culture and were not supposed to be, you know, producers of, mm -hmm. for example, music. And so we started to work on that. And actually, uh, in the framework of IMISCO, right. uh, that was uh, in 2006, I think, so it's about 14, 16 years ago already. And the, the point of departure was to look at how politically music was relevant for the mobilization of immigrants in the new country. So that's what we did. And of course, we take we took for granted all that had been done before in sociology of music, in philosophy. We could go back to the antiquity to, to, to study the role of music for uh, humans. So that was the point of departure. And uh, because, well, uh, I was interested in citizenship, in political mobilization, in social movement. And we all know that music is important in any social movement. And we wondered why in the field of migration do we not pay attention to music and to culture generally? And so we decided to form a group. Uh, initially, uh, probably we all thought we were alone, but then we discovered that many of us were interested and we formed this group within IMISCO that still exists today, but that studies more broadly the many 
relationships between not only music but culture generally and migration. And we think that actually we can examine um, these relationships uh, at five levels. The first one is at the cultural and musical level, trying to examine how what migrants made as a different in the musical landscape of both the country of origin and the country in which they live. And we have many examples of syncretic musical forms that were basically invented by migrants. We can have examples in many, in all the continents, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, the second element is more the social uh, dimension of music. Uh, you said uh, to start with that music was a, a universal language, but the problem is that uh, I would say music produces various universal languages and uh, the musicians do not necessarily uh, meet easily because they speak different musical languages, but still uh, music is a way that is, is something that helps people to get together, to develop interactions. And that's what we, we try to study with, with different scholars. Of course, there is a policy issue as well. Um, the issue of cultural policies in the field of music is important, and it leads to all the questions about recognition of the input of migrant uh, musicians and uh, migrant musics. And uh, of course, political mobilization is, is, uh, is very important too. And finally, there's the economic dimension as well, because all this does not happen in a vacuum. And music is also uh, in the field of migration and transnational relations leads to all sorts of economic exchanges. We can come back to that uh, earlier, but you know, this is not new. You know, at the turn of the 20th century, Neapolitan music was recorded in New York and then sent back to, to Napoli, actually. So there was all sorts, there were all sorts of exchanges by transnational music companies that already existed at the time, even though they were not tall, they were not labeled as transnational uh, uh, businesses. So these are the various things we are trying to work on. Uh, but we do not claim to, of course, to be pioneers in the study of the links between music and migration. Um, but it, in our e evolving field of migration studies, we, we think we, we are trying to have a small contribution to try to, you know, give music the place it deserves in migration studies. Daniela, um, how does this resonate with you? You've uh, only recently, you could say, started doing this kind of research. Yes. Uh, Marco here, Sketch and History, uh, sort of laid out the field for you. Um, what of these aspects does really resonate with your work? Yes, I think most of them resonate with what I'm doing right now. So I am exploring, right now I'm looking at TikTok mostly, how TikTok uh, enables uh, immigrants to connect and to create and to self-represent uh, using the, the affordances that it offers, right? So uh, I think, first of all, I would like to explain a little bit about why audio and music is so important and relevant on TikTok and how that connects with everything that Marco has just mentioned. So on TikTok, audio is a very important feature because it is separate from the video feed. So you can actually take a song and create a new video with that song, what that song or that audio track. So it promotes imitation through the use of different elements, but first of all, and mostly audio. So music has been shaped by this platform. Musicians are creating music 
especially in the shape and, and duration that can be adapted to TikTok. Why do they do this? Because this is how they become very popular very quickly through the viral possibilities of the platform. Uh, now, it has been so successful that other platforms have uh, copied this format, specifically Instagram. And so now imitating uh, content through the use of music has become a thing. Uh, it has it, it shapes uh, current popular culture and specifically what we call the challenges, which are just complete imitations of content that are created by different uh, users, right? So now it is important to understand this because the functions of, of music for immigrants are connected to these affordance and the way it works on TikTok. So first of all, uh, I, I look at Latin American immigrants in the US and Spain, and I have found that there are four uses of music and you'll see how they're very connected to what Marco mentioned. First of all, they use them as a visibility strategy. So they will create their content telling narratives about immigration, about issues that, that are important to them, for example, discriminatory practices or the process of getting a refugee status or crossing the border. In the US and Spain, they change. Of course, the process is different. And in order to make this content visible, they will use audio tracks that are very popular on TikTok. So this gives them a lot of political, social capital on the platform because they are learning these digital literacies that are very specific to how the algorithmic feed on TikTok works, which is they like things that are very popular. So if, if an audio track is very popular, they'll take it even though it's not related to their migrant experience and they'll take, tell their own narrative, their own story using this very popular track and be picked up by the platform. So this would be the first, uh, the first function of music for them. Now, the second one would be to accompany or reflect their experience through music that is uh, usually culturally relevant. So for example, genre that is from their country. So for example, Colombian Vallenatos, Ecuadorian San Juanitos or Mexican Corridos would be very popular, but the lyrics are not directly uh, related to migration. So in this case, the lyrics will tell something about sadness or difficulty, and they are able to, to match the story they're telling visually with the music. Uh, and also connect with other creators through this connective aspect of music on TikTok. Now, the third, uh, the third function would be music that is created specifically to describe migratory experiences. And in this case, we do see, similar to what Marco was saying, uh, music that is invented by migrants that is uh, created to tell specific stories. And this is very context specific. In the Mexican-US border, we have corridos that tell the story of migrants who are crossing. Now we are getting actually songs that actually talk about the platform itself and how we, they want you to imitate and reuse this song. So it, it, it's like a convergence of the platformed practices, the border crossing and the migrant experience in the same song. Uh, and we see that in Spain is a little different, uh, but they are all connecting through these songs, right? Uh, now, the fourth, the fourth one is for me very interesting, but this one is less common. And here we have the idea of the economic dimension and the recognition, right? And we have music that is created specifically for TikTok. And in this case, we have um, uh, musicians uh, who create customized songs to tell specific stories, a lot of times on the request of their followers. So for example, 
There can be love songs, but a lot of times there are migration-related songs related to the narratives and stereotypes that exist in the specific context. And they will create, for example, a rap song that counters each of these beliefs. And this is very interesting because this is created for TikTok. It has a specific length that can contain the entire storyline in this uh, 15 second to three minute length. Uh, these songs become a sort of soundtrack of the migratory experience. And you can really, uh, because of the way TikTok works, you can really find all of the videos that have used a specific track. And you can see that immigrants have specific songs that they use. And this is relevant because it shows how belonging and affinity are also practices that translate to the platformed world, right? To the, to the connective mm -hmm. and mimetic world of, of TikTok. Uh, so I would say those three, those four functions connect really well with uh, everything that Marco was saying, you know, and you can see how it is changing through the, in the digital world. Yeah. And I think, uh, the, the Daniela, the point you also make about this micro experience, and that maybe we can find an interesting comparison here with, with what Marco has, has researched in the past, is that um, today with TikTok and with digitalization, of course, it's possible to capture the entire migrant experience, right? That, that people who are migrating, either forced or not, are, are using, some of them, TikTok and social media and music, uh, to capture and, and uh, create a narrative around uh, their migratory experience, which can already also be shared at that same time with people who have already migrated and people who may migrate in the future, right? Um, so um, this is uh, wildly different from the past, I can imagine, uh, Marco. How, 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 how did this happen before, before digitalization? Yeah, it's it's very different because uh, in the past, of course, before the the emergence of these new technologies, well, people could migrants could do produce songs and think about uh, new music pieces and so on, even while they were traveling. But they could not diffuse it. Of course, it it took a very long time afterwards. So, um, uh, but it's always been uh, important uh, for for migrants to. Uh, to use music to, for example, to describe what they have experienced, uh, to keep a link with the country of origin, but also to uh, cope with the difficulties of life in the new countries. But everything was more happening in physical presence, so to say, mm -hmm. or in physical absence, but with a strong, a long delay. For I remember in my experience uh, when I was a kid, um, the family, the extended family was spread in different uh, cities in Belgium, but we used to gather on Sundays at my grandparents' house, which was in a mining community uh, in, in the south of Belgium. And actually, every single Sunday, there was somebody with an accordion, because accordion was the most popular instrument, and everybody was singing. Everybody was singing. And, this, and these songs could be love songs, could be songs about nostalgia, could be songs about uh, uh, the way people were perceived in, in Belgium, whatever. But everything was in presence. It made sense as a physical in-presence community. All this now tends to be replaced uh, with platforms and all uh, the things that Daniela uh, masters. But still, I don't think it's going to kill 
the, the most traditional ways of musical expression. And uh, maybe I'll come back to that later. We are organizing a festival here in Brussels called uh, Brume, Bruxelles, Musique Migrante. Uh, and everything there happens in concert, in small venues. But still, it's relayed on social media, on platforms, and so on. So right. we have more opportunities now. We have more tools to uh, be active with musical expressions than in the past, of course. Right. Yeah. So I uh, I can imagine this is really interesting for you to hear also, uh, Daniela. As, as <laughs> Um, yes. uh, and as of course, it's it's a unique moment in time. You could say that that what used to be like maybe music's function in the past was, of course, also to forge these uh, communal relations away from home. Right. That music yeah. had a very powerful role in finding each other in, in you know, uh, ascribing to each other's identities. Yes. Uh, in a context where those identities may be uh, you know, a minority identity, something which was maybe frowned upon or looked down upon in, in the new country where, where people migrated to. Uh, whereas now, uh, if this happens, there, there can still quite easily be made a connection mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the, the place of origin. Do you think, uh, Daniela, that these physical meetings and this, this need to also share music in a kind of physical situation that Marco was telling about, also even from his own experience, is this something that is now disappearing or is this something uh, that also that lives alongside uh, its social media equivalent? What do you think? Yeah, so I think that uh, the recent events, you know, the COVID pandemic has, maybe if it hadn't happened, we would see a shift towards the digital more. We know we want to be digital, but because of COVID and not being able to be in concerts and in person and maybe get together around music has made it uh, more desirable. You know, it, people are, are really want to get together and go to concerts in person. I think uh, right now, because we are going back to these normal life in-person uh, events, uh, I think it's an opportunity to really see how social media is more of an expander. You know, we are able to see things that we maybe financially or because of documentation, we're not able to see, right? As we know, there are passports that are more valuable than others. And a lot of us, in my original passport, I couldn't go anywhere without a visa. So there were places and experiences I couldn't have uh, and right now you are able to do it through social media. So I think the value there for me is uh, the expanding experiences to more people who wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and, and then, of course, there are native uh, phenomena that is uh, growing and developing online. And this is probably done because of need, due to need, right? The need to, uh, because it is, it is more, more free, it is more accessible, and a lot of people don't have the chance to maybe play in front of an audience for many reasons. Uh, and it just it provides an additional dimension of what music can be, not to replace what was before, to expand it and maybe to give opportunities to people who may not have the access otherwise. If we think about this, this primary question that I asked before about Ukraine, the situation that we have right now, there seems to be a distinction between uh, forced migration and, and, and you could call willful migration, although, of course, that's a very blurry line uh, between those, those, uh, that, that binary, you could say. Um, in the use of music, do you find any differences? And I'm, I suppose I'm asking to you both, uh, so feel free to, to answer if you have an answer. 
Um, uh, do you find a difference between those contexts of uh, displacement or replacement? So right now I am looking actually at subversive algorithmic practices. So I'm trying to see how immigrants um, make their controversial content visible on the platform. So why? Because migrants have a lot of controversial content, talking about undocumented life, right? Talking about tricks to navigate life while undocumented and all of these other practices. And in that, I have found that music has a, a, a huge role because what it does on the one hand on the platform, it enables visibility of content that is not related. So it's like a trick in order to get picked. But on the other hand, there are songs created to tell these stories and it is different to do it orally than to do it in a song. And in this case, you see a lot of, there's a whole genre of corrido music in Mexico that only talks about immigration, about how to cross the border, the coyote, how you pay them, all of the illegal and, you know, the difficulties that they go through. And I think the fact that it is done in music, through music, it is very subversive and very effective. Yeah. And, and I think it also, it, it, even though it has been done throughout time this has been the case right music mm -hmm. has been part of uh, of subversive mu movements uh, right now it is also very effective in algorithmic systems so i think that uh, i think that for refugees these are the ways in which they can express in many ways while while they're trying to get their documents their status whatever uh, and of course, because of laws that block the type of contents refugees can create. Because as we know, there are laws that enable countries to look at social media in order to evaluate someone's deservingness to be a refugee. So music becomes this way to really uh, express things that cannot be expressed otherwise. Right, yeah. So music also has a very instrumental, informative way, you could say, for these uh, more forced migrants or refugees, indeed. Mm -hmm. uh, Marco, anything to add? Yeah, I would like, again, to, to take two cases from a more, more traditional forms of uh, musical expression. Uh, in, in Belgium, there is a project, a group, a band, that was formed a few years ago called Refugees for Refugees. So uh, it's a band created by refugees coming from different countries, from Syria, from uh, Tibet, from, uh, from Iraq, from different places. And actually, uh, they formed this band and they started to perform, even though at the time, many of them didn't have uh, a permit to stay in Belgium. And actually, they used this band in order to you know, to, to change the image of the population, uh, the image that, that Belgians had of refugees. You know? mm -hmm. They are musicians, they are professionals. Some of them were stars in their countries of origin. And through this band, uh, actually, they started to tour. Uh, they recorded a CD and uh, they won a, uh, an international award and things like that. So they became very visible and they sort of helped shape uh, sh changing the perception of the local population of what a migrant was and you know the song the content of the song was not necessarily referring to the migration experience uh, but the fact of being together from different countries on stage and to perform and to uh, to attract many people the tours were sold out they played in the, wow. in the big festivals and so on uh, it was something but of course, there is a, a downside to that. Now they are a bit fed up because they say, well, we, are, we would like to be recognized as musicians, mm -hmm. not as 
refugee musicians. We would like to have our place in the mainstream musical circle and not just being invited because we are refugees for refugees. And is this changing now for, for them? Uh, well, yeah, they have even changed name. Uh, they don't want to be called refugees for refugees. Some musicians dropped the band mm. to start a, to a new career. So yes, things are, are changing a lot. Mm -hmm. The second example, which is also more, I would say, traditional in terms of physical presence, is the role played by music in the refugee camps, for example, in the north of France, uh, near Calais, it's been publicized a lot, but also in the Grand Sainte near Dunkerque. Uh, one of my colleagues, Émilie Dallage, has studied uh, the musical practices in that camp. Right. Well, the last thing you expect to find in a camp like that, where people live in subhuman conditions, the last thing you, you expect to find is people who perform, who play music. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do, but they are, <laughs> and they are also very active on TikTok and yeah. so on. <laughs> of course. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting to look at how, through this musical expression, actually emerged a leader of the community that engaged in mediation with the outside society. Though through music, a political leadership yeah. emerged. And I think this is quite interesting as well, locally. Marco mentioned something that is really interesting and I also see in my research about how refugees uh, in many cases are seen, you know, when they're musicians, when they're in sports, they're seen as refugee musicians refugee sport, uh, sports people. And at the beginning, it's okay, right? They are changing their status. They are moving to a new country. And I also see this, right? You see creators or influencers who are ref, uh, immigrants or refugees. And at the beginning, their content is very, ref, uh, very oriented towards uh, their migratory experience. But there is a point where you are living your life and you are most mostly a person, right? A person that has uh, different dimensions. Some of them are musicians, some of them are dancers, uh, they are business experts, entrepreneurs. And you see how these identities shift and they want to be seen more as regular people who are doing something on TikTok rather than be identified through their migratory status or experience. So I think this is very, very related to what, what I'm, I'm seeing too. Indeed. Yeah. So maybe uh, to take another step back, uh, because I'm sort of hearing like music being played in refugee camps, using bands or b becoming artists to create um, uh, recognition as well, you could say. Um, uh, why do you think music plays such an important role here? Because, of course, we know that many things travel along with migrants, like knowledge about food, languages, practices, religions. What, what makes music distinct or what makes music uh, different from other cultural uh, uh, aspects or products you could say yeah well i think music is uh, is specific uh, but sometimes i would compare music to to food yeah because uh, i think that music defines the condition of being a, a human i mean many, most of us are touched by music i mean i in my in the people I know, I only know one person that is not sensi sensitive to music. He, he doesn't listen to music ever. But for the rest, all the people I know uh, are 
musical persons in one way or in another. Not all of us are musicians, right. but we are touched by music. It touches our emotion. When we are listening to music, something happens in our brains. Mm -hmm. so music defines the human condition, like food, because we all have to eat. Yeah. Music is universal. You find music everywhere. And so it makes things quite specific uh, in that sense. Uh, and so, in a way, it doesn't mean that other forms of expression are secondary. You, know, you have migrants who are painters, you have migrants who are writers, who are filmmakers, who are whatever. But music, like food, is something that is probably the easiest thing to share uh, between humans. And one example that shows that, about three weeks ago, I went to a Syrian restaurant in Brussels. And when I entered the restaurant, I was struck by the quality of the sound and also by the quality of the music. And so I started to talk with the, the, the boss of the restaurant and he told me, yes, but I'm a, a musician and a producer. <laughs> and actually this synthesizes what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So this guy was providing food, was providing music and was building bridges between refugees and the broad population by using music and food. So there was a synchronization between food and music. Totally unexpected, but that's how it was. And so I think that music has this power, food has this power that other forms maybe do not have because you probably need more education, you need to master the codes, whereas, you know, we cannot master all the musical codes, but even if we are ignorant in musical terms, we are touched by music. Right. And so I, it makes, it's the strength. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's even these days specifically also even more mobile than, than other yes. cultural products indeed. So, and it's maybe Daniela, maybe yes. you have something to add on that, because I think for TikTok, for instance, it's interesting that it's, I think TikTok started as a musical medium. Uh, very much about dancing and these kind of things. Yes. Um, uh, so it can, but it can also, of course, share other uh, yes. cultural uh, products or, or things that people do. Uh, what do you see in your work about this? So I think for for so music, the role of music in general, right, is uh, bringing you back. I think music has this power to remind you of who, who you are. So, for example, it will bring you back to specific moments in your life. Certain music, maybe you haven't heard it for, me, for years and you hear it and you remember this moment in your life, no? right? Uh, it accompanies these memories that are very emotional, like smell, like, like food. All these different aspects are things that bring you back to sp specific moments and remind you of how you became who you are, right? Of this process of growth, of, of becoming an individual. Uh, this is specifically relevant for immigrants because, of course, uh, when you're in a new country, you are taking in this new culture, you have to adapt, right? There are aspects that you have to take in, you have to adapt. But music uh, reminds you of who you were before that and reminds you how you, you become a, a mixed person, a person of mixed. And in, on social media, on, on TikTok, you see this. You see songs, for example. On, on, on TikTok, there is a possibility to do like these remixes of music. And you see, for example, very popular TikTok songs that the second part is like a, a bachata. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Uh, and this is very interesting because it shows also the migratory experience. This is what happens to us. We come from our cultures, our countries, our music, and we go to a new country and we really like it as well, right? We, we take it in. There are aspects that we love, specifically for me in Spain. I love flamenco. I really love it. So, and I think this is an experience for a lot of immigrants going to the new country and really taking in the musical aspect. And on TikTok, you see that. Uh, also, music that immigrants choose on TikTok, it, it seems to have, you know, they, they choose, they feel identified with certain songs. And you see that they, a lot of immigrants use the same songs once and once again to tell similar stories. And this is interesting because it shows just how what Marco was saying about belonging, about this social aspect of music, it is, you can really see it online as well. Although people never meet in person, probably, although they are connected through music. Um, and, and of course, the, you also see people who connect back to their original identity. So there is one creator on who, who he's a musician and he creates songs about his migrant experience, about sadness, about how he misses his family. And they are all in Quichua, uh, which is an indigenous language in Ecuador and in the Andes, as you know. As you know. Uh, so he creates songs in Quichua on TikTok. So this is very interesting to me because even the hashtags he creates there in Quichua, how this is so specific, so unlike what others do. Others will do hashtags in English, right, to connect. But he doesn't. He wants to connect with this specific audience. So you also see these different uses of, of music on the platform. And I think that is also very interesting. Right. Yeah. And um, maybe as a, as a final question before we wrap up, um, we talked about the, the migrant journey, uh, specifically from the, the point of departure, going into a new country, taking music with you, creating new music that reflects on the experience of migrating, creating new connections with uh, fellow migrants, but also a home away from home. Um, uh, you mentioned a little bit about this already, Daniela, like engaging with the music from uh, the new country or the, the country that is relocated to. Uh, in my own research with Syrian ref refugees, for instance, I saw that they do not only listen to the music that makes them think of uh, Syria and makes them think of their friends and family that they left there. But they also engage with, uh, in this case, local Dutch music. Uh, primarily, it, mm -hmm. this begins by uh, just trying to uh, learn the language because, of course, music is a, an easy way maybe to, to get a feel for a language. Um, uh, but then also can move towards uh, just enjoying this music or the, trying to understand this local culture or even making connections with the local Dutch population. So you could say this is kind of the receiving end uh, of, of this cultural exchange. In your research, uh, and I'm asking both again, um, uh, what do you find of this? Like, are there instances where local music, where is where, where people migrate to, also plays an important role, or is this maybe unique to this specific situation? Here, there are probably differences between the countries and the continents. Uh, if I take the case of Belgium, the the the, the local Belgian music uh, is, I would say, very weak. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, there's a difference between the north, the Flemish uh, part of the country, where there is a kind of, you know, the Flemish version of Schlager and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, in, in the Netherlands and in one yes. way and in Germany. But in the Francophone part of the country, uh, the, the standard music is French music from France. And right. so, you know, there's no real um, offer uh, to... 
uh, that that migrants could could you know just seize so maybe it's easier for them to express their own music and to mix with other forms of music that come uh, you know you have the North African migrants uh, uh, imported uh, high music from Algeria and then they mixed it up with the rhythm and blues. And sometimes you have also Latino sounds in it. So it becomes really a global music that maybe remains local through the lyrics, for example, where they talk about things that happens in Belgium and not in, in, uh, in Mexico, for example. So I think that if you go to France, there, there is a French music, there is a French song. And so in a way, there is the expectation that migrants have to respect the musical landscape. And mm -hmm. it's not easy for newcomers to fit in or to have their own musical contribution recognized. And, you know, you see even the second, third generation immigrants uh, who do music in France, they might be very popular among the youth, the urban youth. But, you know, the big thinker about music, they say, well, this is not really up to the standard because it does not conform to the French dominant conception of what good music is. So uh, power right. relations are also important in music. Eh? Clearly, clearly. Yeah, so I would say, um, because I, I, I study Latin American immigrants in the US and in Spain, I would say the language is, is a relevant aspect, right? So in Spain, uh, they speak the same language as the immigrants. So it's much easier to see this combination, uh, how the genres mix and how, uh, of course, some immigrants will show their integration through the use of Spanish music, traditional Spanish music, and of course, telling these stories about Spain accompanied by flamenco or other uh, flamenco fusion, even pop, flamenco pop. Um, and so you have that. But in the US, I think most of my research, I have found that, that the music there is very, the, the Mexican, the Central American immigrants, when they, they use their music in Spanish and with their genre. Uh, so it probably has to do with the language. Of course, in the U.S., as we know, there are uh, there are genre musical genre that are mixed. For example, Tex-Mex is a, a mixed genre. But uh, in my own research, they they tend to to do corridos when they create uh, migrant these 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 uh, songs uh, from these migrant creators. And now and then we have the ones that, as I mentioned before, that do music that. Are, is a specific, not created to sell, uh, but to for a specific audience. So the Quichua songs, the San Juanitos, music that has not become transnational, but is very directed to these specific indigenous communities. And as we know, Latin music is very popular right now. So it is hard to say whether this has to do with migration or just because Latin music is popular. So it, it is permeating everything, mm -hmm. right? So I think there are different aspects that make, in my specific position, a little bit difficult to see this. Yeah, uh, thanks so much. So uh, we need to wrap up. So the main question that we were asking here is, is what role music plays in process of migration? Uh, it's too much to cover in, in one simple summary, I think. But the, 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 the most important things to remember is that it can be a highly effective political tool to uh, gain uh, recognition in a local community where a migrant group goes to, but also to create understanding among 
other migrants, to create a sense of community, to create a home away from home, a sense of belonging and identity uh, in a very uh, identity-wise difficult situation, of course, after or during relocations, which has become even more mobile now that we have TikTok, social media. So it's not about carrying CDs with you anymore or trying to find the music that you listen to in a new situation. No, as long as there's an internet connection, people can find each other. And of course, something very important that is also uh, even increased due to uh, social media is of course capturing this refugee or migrant experience, right? Which may be something that is also relatively novel, at least in the way of being able to follow the entire trajectory and sharing that again with other people. And I think uh, indeed it shows that music may not be indeed a universal language, but poses universal languages, like uh, Marco said before, uh, and uh, remains a highly uh, relevant and uh, important uh, topic of study. And uh, turning to that, uh, a final question that we always ask our guests, uh, I'll start with you, uh, Marco. Where do we go from here? So, so uh, what are the things that you think, I think you that, want uh, to do that need to be done? Most and, and why does it matter? To do, and uh, this is connected to the fact that Daniela and me are present here, is the articulation between the traditional forms of musical expressions, in physical terms, so to say, and mm -hmm. all the new opportunities that are opened by the platforms and the new technologies. But maybe the articulation between the two needs to be studied more carefully in theoretical and empirical terms. The second point that uh, seems to me important is mm -hmm. that now we are in a period where we can do music without musical instruments. And what is going to be the consequence of that? You know, five years ago, I was doing research in, uh, in the Bronx and in Brooklyn. And one of the person I was in touch with uh, is a drummer in a Latin jazz band. And he was actually performing in schools in, uh, in the Bronx. And he was struck because the, the kids were saying, oh, well, uh, you can even do these sounds with the drums, with uh, this machine. What is it? So we have reached a generation that do not necessarily know the instruments. And so in terms of memory, in terms of uh, mm -hmm. uh, what it means to play the accordion or the violin or whatever, what is it going to mean? How is it going to change the power of music in the future? Question mark. I don't know. Daniela. Mm -hmm. Do you have the answer? So, I, don't, I don't have the answer. Uh, so yes, definitely. So most music now includes uh, what we would call the, the synthetic musical instruments, right? Most music has a loop on the bottom. It, it is designed to give us this range of, of frequencies, right? Uh, well, I think there is, as Marco said, uh, there's a, a technological algorithmic turn taking place. Algorithms are making music now. So uh, not, you don't even need people, some say, anymore. So I think uh, this is relevant to see the role of each, right? The music, why the musician, the songwriter is important and what is the, the role of the algorithmic, the technological part. Now, music right now makes content visible, as I mentioned before. It enables this storytelling, it empowers some groups. It provides them with political and social capital. Uh, in the literal and the figurative senses, right? So this is important because it becomes the reflection of our time. This is how in the future, when they see the Ukrainian crisis, when they see the refugee crisis we have right now, 
how it will be seen is also shaped by the music and these platform practices. And I think it's important to explore this, this how they converge, how uh, the cultural aspect of music, uh, the algorithmic, everything is right now working together. Uh, and at the end, really looking at how this can be harnessed to, in, to, to improve the lives of people who are marginalized and how vulnerable people can, can really take this and become more empowered, more have their voice heard. So I think these would be the main aspects to be looked at. Yeah, and this is also very uh, a great experience for me. I think I have so much to take with me on my own research as well, and I hope that many of the listeners uh, also agree with this and sort of also understand how the crucial role that social media now plays when we think about uh, music and migration, and that indeed maybe one of the key foci for the coming years will be to uh, engage uh, sort of holistically with the, with this form of mediatization to to really understand. Uh, what's happening over what has been happening over the last couple of years, but specifically also these very contemporary conflicts such as Ukraine. So I very much look forward to reading and listening much more to all the knowledge that you're going to generate on this topic. Uh, so for today, you were listening to uh, Julian Schaap and my fantastic and passionate guests, uh, Daniela Jaramillo Dent and Marco Martianello, who said crucial things about music and migration and how to advance from here.